السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وعلاه الحمد لله it is indeed a great blessing to enter into this blessed month of Rabi al-Awwal which the very name itself indicates something of the nature of this month. It is like a spring to the heart. It brings the heart to life. And even though there is no specific time that we that are restricted to celebrating the Prophet Muhammad and his birth and his teachings and his legacy, however, that there's something special about the outward connection between the month that the dominant opinion of the scholars was is that this was the month in which he was born in between with those feelings that are in the heart. And that again we are taught to combine the outward and the inward. And we use these opportunities that come on a yearly basis to revive these meanings in our heart. And whenever we know that there was a specific event, there was something that took place at a particular time, that when we also think about that event, reflect upon that event, and try to that learn from that event and live some of its realities, that even though we might be living 1400 plus years after it, is that there's a secret in doing that. And this is the way of the people who came before us for the most part. You'll find is that they that celebrate and they are well aware of the month they are in. And so this is the third month of the Islamic year. The first, of course, is Muharram, and the second is Safar, and this is Rabi'l Awwal. And this is the blessed month that our Prophet ﷺ entered into this world. And why is this significant for a believer? Because is that it depends upon how you view the Prophet's birth. Without his birth, there would be no receiving of prophecy. And without him receiving prophecy and conveying the deen, the religion, is that you and I would be without guidance. And so we connect the very birth of the Prophet to the very teachings of Islam themselves. The very, that religion itself is connected to the birth of our Prophet ﷺ, because it's obvious that without his birth is that there would be no teachings. He was the vehicle whereby which Allah that conveyed to us his will such that we know what to do and how to do what it is that He wants us to do. We know what to avoid. We know what to put into practice. All of this comes through these very blessed prophets who received revelation from Allah wa Taala and then conveyed it to creation. But then if we expand the horizons of our mind a little bit, is that we will actually find, depending upon how it is that you view your blessed prophet, is that it is not just the, the religious blessings, which indeed are the greatest blessings, is that when we understand the metaphysical nature of our Prophet ﷺ, is that then we will come to understand a much deeper meaning. That we might even say that not just the religious blessings, but even all of the other blessings that we could label as worldly and when you see them all from being from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not so concerned with those labels worldly or religious because the believer that sees everything as being from Allah is that will that benefit and experience that blessing in a very different way that is sometimes that uh, not emphasized with that classification that was mentioned. 
And that it's in understanding this is that why is that for us prophets are so important and why that we try to preserve an immaculate view of them out of respect for them. And we believe that they were trustworthy and we believe that they told the truth. We believe that they conveyed the message that they were commanded to convey. These are the three necessary attributes of the messengers and you could add to that this word fatana. This mental acuity or keenness or sagacity, however it is that you choose to translate it, that these four attributes are attributes that we attribute necessarily to the prophets who came before us. And that we believe that they were preserved from sin before they became prophets and after they became prophets. And this unadulterated view of the bearers of the message itself that helps us to then justify why it is so important for us to follow them. Why that when we that describe someone, as the scholars have said, the greatest way that you can describe someone is to say that they were shadid in mutaba'ah, is that they followed the way of the Prophet in great detail. And unfortunately we have a very restricted, narrow-minded approach to what that actually means. Some people will restrict that to a type of clothing. Other people will restrict that to that some very fine detail in the outward, which is important. However, that when you look at the bigger picture as the Sheikh Walid, may Allah bless him and preserve him, and it's always wonderful to see him, is that he indicated and hinted at is that the ocean of internal traits of the Prophet ﷺ are much vaster and much greater than all of the outward, and all of them are great. But think about the ocean of character traits that he possessed internally. Just think about one of them, that of Rahmah, mercy, that our Lord Himself said is that it has a relationship between every single thing, every single atom in existence. In a verse that we've all heard, We have not sent you save as a mercy to all of the worlds. The mercy that was a part of the internal reality of the Prophet had an intimate connection to every atom of existence. And the implications of that are great, and really it's mind-blowing. And it's hard, and it's actually impossible for the intellect alone to grasp what is the import of that verse. And how exactly was this a reality, and how was this the case? And the scholars point to how this might be, nevertheless, is that his that traits inwardly, sallallahu were like a vast ocean. And what we hope is is that we that take a scoop of that water and we bring some of this blessing into our life and that we try to adhere to His way at all different levels and that throughout these discussions on these blessed nights, the nights of Jumu'ah, that our Prophet taught us وسلم, to that benefit from especially and He taught us specific ways to benefit from these nights especially because this is when Jumu'ah begins is it from Maghrib time, and it then ends at Maghrib time the following day. That is from sunset, which is on Thursday, and that now becomes that on Thursday Eve, the night of Jumu'ah, the night before Jumu'ah. And it extends all the way until the following, that Maghrib, that is sunset of the next day. There are certain things that we're taught to do. One of the most important is to benefit from the night. Because now that whereas in any other night, is that the call that calls out in the last third of the night 
Is there anyone who's seeking forgiveness such that I may forgive them? Is there anyone who's asking for something such that I may give it to them? Is there anyone who is asking for a need to be taken care of such that I could take take care of that need? It begins actually from Maghrib as opposed to the last third of the night. And so there are a lot more people that are able to benefit from those moments. And it is for this reason is that the scholars tended to like to use this time, especially between Maghrib and Isha, the sunset prayer and the night prayer, to benefit that because this is when the night of Juma, this is when Juma actually begins. And there's a long list of other that ways that we can benefit from this special day, including a recitation of Surah Al-Kahf, that chapter 18 of the Book of Allah, Tabarakah wa Ta'ala, titled The Cave, is that we can send abundant salawat and send prayers upon the Prophet Muhammad and we could have taraqqab, we could look after that sa'ah, that time on Jumat where we know that supplications are answered. And it was the, the opinion of Sayyidah Fatima al-Batura Zahra, is that it's late Asr, so after the afternoon prayer, that's shortly before Maghrib. And I remember being with one of my teachers, and it was on Friday, and then that the sky was red, Maghrib was going to enter soon, and he looked up and he says, Sa'at al-Fatimiyah. This is the Fatimid hour, meaning this is a time that we especially have to raise our hands in supplication. And ideally that we want to be facing the Qibla. We want to set up our affairs such that we're not out and about, we're not distracted, if possible, if possible, and benefit from those moments, even if it's only a minute or two, even if it's only five minutes, so that the day can come to life through these blessed sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ. And then in general, that his sunnah is encapsulated in many ways, that by these great traits of futuwa that we've been discussing. And the next trait of futuwa is, وَمِنَ الْفُتُوَّةِ تَعْظِيمُ الْإِخْوَانِ وَالْحَرَكَةُ لَهُمْ Roughly translated as, it is from spiritual chivalry to respect your friends and to move for them. And that the hadith that Imam al-Sulami mentions in relation to this trait is that one time the Prophet ﷺ was in the masjid, he was in the mosque, and a man entered. And even though the Prophet was alone in the mosque, as the man entered, the Prophet moved for him. And the man said, Ya Rasulullah, al-makan wasi'. There's plenty of space. There was no reason, he's saying, for the Prophet to move. But what did our Prophet say? Inna lil-mu'mini haqqa. Indeed, that the believer has a right. And as that Sheikh Walid that was speaking to us, look at these subtleties of the way that the Prophet deals with people that he mentioned one of those important things which is turning to people completely and listening. The man that came in, were the Prophet not to have moved, maybe he would have thought, oh, the Prophet didn't care about me. Oh, he's not concerned about me. The Prophet actually moved, even though there was plenty of space for him to sit next to him. There was no one in the mosque after all. But he moved. And he mentioned the reason for this was because the believer has a right. And think about what this does. And the psychology of that, I care for you. And that I'm going to move for you because I'm concerned about you and I want you to be next to me. And I want you to be comfortable in my presence and all of these other meanings that you could fill in the blanks and just postulate what was in that movement of our Prophet ﷺ. And then that roughly related to this 
we have in Surah Al-Mujadila a verse that says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. This is an address to the believers. O you who believe, إِذَا قِيلَ لَكُمْ تَفَسَّحُوا فِي الْمَجَالِسِ فَفْسَحُوا If it is said to you, make room during the assembly, the gathering, the coming together, and then make room. And what will be the result of that? يَفْسَحِ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ And Allah will make room for you. So this is a command of the Allah. But if you look at this, look at the amazing nature of this. This is something very small. And it shows us how you can do something very small but receive immense blessings for it. But even though it appears to be something small, on the other hand, it also tells you the importance of the human dimension. And it tells you the importance of the feelings of other people and how it is that we should treat other people and how it is that we should be concerned about how other people around us are feeling. So that if you look at the Sabah bin Nuzul, the occasion of... This revelation is that they said, and this is the qawl of Qatada, is that they used to vie with one another to that attend the gathering of the Prophet ﷺ. And that they would try to get there early and to get as close as possible. Because everyone wanted to be close to him. ﷺ. And at first, is that whenever anyone would come from outside, is that they wouldn't move and they'd keep their place. Because they didn't want to prefer anyone over themselves in terms of their closeness to the Prophet ﷺ. And then this verse was revealed. Is that, O oh, you who believe, if it's said to you that tafassahu, make room. That tef- uh, to, uh, if it's said to you tafassahu, that fafsahu, make room. And so the Prophet commanded them to do this on another occasion is that it indicated is that, the, that those that were fought in the battle of Badr were especially honored by the Prophet ﷺ. And sometimes people would beat them to the gatherings. And on one occasion, is that there was some of the companions, the younger ones, refused to let those who fought in Badr in. And so they stood there. They sent salams to the Prophet ﷺ. They sent salams to the congregation. And then no one made room for them. And they were just standing and that according to this hadith is the Prophet commanded people to make room for the people of Badr. Which indicates one, how you have to especially respect people that are senior to you, whether that be in age or whether that be in station. And this is a good thing to do to have adab and that respect in this regard. But anyhow, is that look at this beauty here. And this becomes a sunnah after this. Is that whenever it is that you are sitting, if you see someone that walking in, that we should go out of our way, that everyone who walks through that door, man and woman alike, child or adult, elder or that young person alike, is that we make room for them. And that by doing that, just that small little act of making room for someone, what does that do? Is that tells that person that we're concerned about you and that we that love you and that we want you to benefit as well. That small little act, look what happens. يَفْسَحِ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ And Allah will make room for you. In other words, Allah will open up things for you. That Ibn Ajiba says about this, فِي كُلِّ مَا تَرِيدُونَ أَتَّفَسْحِ فِيهِ Everything that you want to be open for you. And he says, مِنَ From your sustenance. مِنَ الدَّارِ Your actual house that you live in. Your sadr, your heart to be opened. 
your qabr, your grave, jannah, paradise itself, ilm, ma'rifah, knowledge, gnosis, all of these things. One small little act of making room for someone that we enter into this blessing, yafsahilahu lakum. And Allah Taala will make room for you, i.e., is that He will bestow upon you all of these different types of blessings. And this is something that is truly amazing if you really think about it, and that this is applies to all different types of gatherings. And is that just as this applies physically and literally, it also applies that spiritually, and that you could say figuratively. In that. Making room in your heart for people. Is that our Prophet's heart was not narrow and constricted. His heart was as vast as a heart could possibly be. There is no person on earth who ever lived, who ever walked on the face of this earth. Despite their different background, despite where they would, would have lived on the face of this earth. Except that the messenger of God could have related to that person. And he could have built bridges. And the, based upon the nature of that person and the good that's still in them, and through building of those bridges, brought out the best that's in them. And this would have been with any human being who ever lives, unless that barriers are put up from that person himself. That's something different. But in its origin that the Prophet was able to do this, وسلم, And so this is one of the, that very small yet, very important that etiquettes is that we respect our brothers. Literally, the word is actually ta'zim, which respect is that almost downplaying the translation of that word. Is that even really beyond respect, there's honor. Is that we really respect and almost you could say exalt, right? Not that we worship it, we don't worship anyone except Allah, but we really appreciate that how what a blessing it is to have. That friends, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, what a blessing. This crazy time in which we live, to have one person that you have a beautiful relationship with is an amazing blessing. Let alone two or three. Let alone to have such beautiful hearts that congregate on a regular basis. These are true blessings from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And then we'll just take one more of these etiquettes. وَمَنِ الْفُتُوَّةِ إِسْتِقَامَةُ الْأَحْوَالِ And so they're not all that related one to another, some of the etiquettes that relate to one to another, others are a slightly different meaning, because this book essentially is just listing them. The next principle of spiritual chivalry is that istiqamatul ahwal, is that we remain upright. We remain upright. Okay? And there, the hadith that he mentions here is, is that the Prophet ﷺ was asked, that قُلِّ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ قَوْلًا لَا أَسْأَلُ عَنْهُ أَحَدًا بَعْدَكْ That say to me that something about Islam where I will not be in need to ask anyone else after you. So look at the, look at the targeted question in this companion, Sufyan ibn Abdullah al-Thaqafi. This is his question. Meaning that I want something that is concise, clear, I don't need to get an explanation from anyone else. And at the same time, it will suffice me. He wanted all of this in a short statement of the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet responded to him. He said that, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ Very simple. 
The Prophet said, say, I believe in Allah and remain upright. I believe in Allah and remain upright. Istiqama is to remain upright. And the scholars, when they analyze this hadith, as they say, the Prophet summarized all of the meanings of the deen, of the religion, in these very few words. And if you look at Amin Billah, what do they say about this? It means, renew your faith in Allah by remembering Him in your heart, by mentioning Him on your tongue, and by bringing forth the meanings of faith that to your heart regularly. Think about the implications of faith in all of your different affairs, i.e., is that when you're going through hard times financially, that remember your Lord and remember is that Allah is the razaq. He is the provider. You bring forth that meaning to your heart. That when that you are that going through a difficult situation, is that you that bring forth the meaning of patience when you're in a state of goodness, is that you bring forth the meanings of gratitude and so forth and so on. All of the meanings of iman are combined in this amin to billah. Qul amin to billah. And notice here the Prophet said, Qul, say amin to billah. Literally, I have believed in Allah. I believe in Allah. And that He's pointing us towards action. And then, thumastaqim. And then maintain a state of uprightness. And what have our scholars said about uprightness? It is to fulfill all of the commands and avoid all of the prohibitions. It can be summarized like that. To fulfill all of the commands and avoid all of the prohibitions. Or they could say it equates to a complete following of the Prophet Muhammad in all of his different states, including his traits of character. And then that they do point to the difficulty of this. This is not something that is considered to be easy. Because if you think about as you experience the vicissitudes of life, you have your ups and you have your downs, you have your highs and you have your lows. But you still have to do everything it is that you have to do. And that when you that do those things despite your ups and your downs, this is what's going to help you level out at a later time. And generally speaking, people in the beginning are they have really high highs and they have really low lows. But then as you progress, is that they start to get the highs that the general trend is to get higher, but then the lows it evens out more. And then the whole goal ultimately is to have an exponential spiritual increase in every single moment. And that this is why that Imam Ghazali says that because of the greatness of uprightness and because of the need that we all have for it is that Allah put it as the first dua, the first supplication in the Fatiha itself the opening chapter of the Qur'an that we recite at least 17 times a day if we're praying our five daily prayers. Guide us to the straight path. The more that we are upright in this world is that the more that will translate in the next world to crossing the traverse quickly and that one of the greatest meanings of this as well is to, in the way, the greatest aids to doing this are those heart attachments. Why do we keep emphasizing the heart attachments? Because those heart attachments will pull you in the direction of istiqamah. 
They are what underlie istiqamah. They are what underlie all of these great traits of character and all of the practicing of the deen is that the more that that is there, the stronger those connections are, the more we will be pulled into the direction of having these realities of this deen that manifest within us. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. May we bless, may we experience the blessings of this month. And may Allah Ta'ala bring our hearts to life with the love of Him and the love of our Messenger. Take care of all of our needs that heal, that all of those who are ill, and to give us tawfiq in all of our different affairs. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.